Welcome to the Yorkshire Grit Podcast. Tackling some of the biggest issues in men's mental health. Hello, welcome back to Yorkshire Grip, Series 3, episode, I can't remember. Really, really lucky that I've got Mark Webber. I put on Instagram, I was trying to eulogise about you, but I kind of just stopped because there's no point really, you know, because you're a bit of a hero. But um, first of all, thanks for coming on. No worries. I appreciate it because you're in France, you've got to go to Bahrain, you're really busy at the moment. You still look great, <laughs> but uh, what does Yorkshire Grit, because you're called Aussie Grit, and obviously, you know, I'm kind of Yorkshire Grit. What does that mean to you, the term like, I don't know, that's starting off of a bit of like a boring thing, but the term grit, it's obviously a huge part of you and it's a big part of your identity. And I, I did listen to you, most of your audio book, but if I was to say to you, you know, the term grit, if you had to kind of sum it up briefly, first thing that comes to your mind. For me, mate, I think it's, I had a, first of all, coming from Australia to European sports, lots of Australian drivers and motorcycle races, you know, in motorsport of have tried. We've had a lot of successful individuals nail it, um, but a lot have gone home, and it's a pretty daunting prospect geographically and financially. And yeah, there is some headwinds along the way. So I think just this nickname, I suppose, came out after I had, you know, in the early part of my Formula One career, I had a lot of, I suppose, uh, tricky scenarios, and you can call it bad luck, and call it whatever you can, whatever you want, bad preparation, all those sort of things. But ultimately, still managed, I suppose, come out the other end of it. So people. I suppose, being the underdog and having that underlying back-against-the-wall nature. Uh, I think that the grit word come from that with having success at the end of my career. I was lucky to have success right at the end. I didn't have a huge amount at the, at the start. Of course, I was in F1 and had a long career, so you need to be doing something you know, half-sensible, of course, to retain your profession in, at that level. But uh, a lot of my success was at the end, so um, that was good in a way. It's better than having – I mean, unless you Lewis Hamilton obviously has it all the way through his career and several you know, freaks do in different sporting spheres. But you know, if a, a sports person's career – can be a journey and it can have success at the front and it can tail off quickly and you don't reach your potential or you can learn from the hard knocks on the way through and still survive and have results at the end, which is probably my scenario. What do you mean to lose Hamilton? Because there was a documentary last night on Sky about between him and Vettel. And obviously, look, I'm a cyclist, right? I'm sorry, I'm not an F1. I like my cycling, mate. It's all good. We're going to get onto that. Don't you worry about that. But with, so you know when Vettel won last year, Verstappen, that last yeah. lap, can you try and explain that? in cycling terms, what he did, because um, Mercedes kicked off, didn't they, saying that you can't do that? Yeah. Oh, look, I think it was, I mean, first of all, phenomenal season. I mean, the, both of those guys were on another level, which was on Formula One Plus, if you like. It was very, very, very special, very unique season. Someone that could finally push Lewis all the way through because he's really is, you can argue, the GOAT in, in many ways in terms of what he has achieved and is achieving. What well, do you think he's the best? Oh, it's hard. As you know, lots of different sports, whether it's tennis or cycling, boxing, whatever. And it's hard to compare the generations because the sports change so much. But in terms of how they, you know, the technology, for example, you know, Don Bradman compared to Ricky Ponting or, you know, any cricketers or Brian Lara, the data that's involved and the ability to analyse the opposition was not around in, in Don's day. So same with motorsports, same with cycling, the data that's involved, the sports science involved. So it's really hard to, I think, you know, capture who is when you really pull them all down into their little individual buckets, who is the best of all time, virtually impossible. But no, Lewis is, I mean, the amount of strings in his bow is absolutely extraordinary. So, you know, onto your question, I think that Lewis, if you just take that last four minutes, I mean, the season itself was, you know, you, both of them deserved the championship. We know that. It was it was nip and tuck. It was toss of a coin. Who was going to get it? And it turned out to 
couldn't make it up or went down to the last lap through more of the hands of the regulation. So they were really struggling to work out how the hell they're going to finish that race, not under safety car. There was lap cars involved. The officials had to make the worst call possible to understand how they're going to have this race finish with a race. Yeah. Technically, they could have gone a safety car, which was also possible, but would have been uproar around that. And then Hamilton basically had – it was like having – I know Max was on his own, but it was like having five riders against one in the end. Like there was no Lewis was he had no chance to defend uh, really that. Is, is that because of the grip? Just the grip off, yeah, you know, just massive. Yeah. Grip. You know, it's like you know he's Max had fresh legs. Like he hasn't done any. You know, he's full of fuel. He's had a few cans of coke and he's good to go. And Lewis has done you know eight hours on the front. You know, so then they had a restart and all of Lewis's lead got pulled back. So yeah, it's like with five hundred meters to go, saying the guy's been out in front all his own, all day, and then we're going to reset the pellet on the pack with, with 400 to go and see how you go, mate. Just no chance. you got no chance. No, nah, he had no, no chance. So why did Mercedes kick off then? Were they just upset? They just couldn't, ha- they just couldn't handle it? Of course. There's so much ego, Mark. It's like, I thought cycling was ego, but Formula One, when you watch that thing on Netflix and mm. you see Horner and um, Total, I wouldn't even dare look at them in the eyes. Yeah. They just seem like they'd crush you just looking at you. Yeah, the sport, I mean, the the narration and the sort of the way that it's all produced by Netflix does put these characters in a, in a different space compared to what they're like, you know, Monday to Friday, real life. I mean, you can definitely catch up with them, buddy. You could, you could have a beer with them, that's fine. The TV does incredible things, and uh, that's why it's been such a successful story, Netflix, and, you know, it, the demographic has just plummeted in terms of the age, I mean, age. People, it used to be like 55, the age group in America watching Formula. Now it's like 33 or 30. Young people are watching the sport. Netflix has opened up a whole new avenue. So the sport's never been bigger because of the way it's been projected into into people's living rooms. It's, it's action. It's, as you say, egotistical. It's consequences. And there's money, fame, glitz, glamour, all the things, and warriors in the cockpits, obviously, the guys do. I mean, they are obviously phenomenal performers. Um, I'm dyslexic, so I do find it hard to read, but I did make the effort to listen to your book. And the one thing that I did come away with a couple of things that I did want to bring up to you. One is I'm really glad you got back with Anne, Annie. Yeah. It sounded like that was a really good thing for you. You know, I've been in relationships and I haven't been in relationships. And I really liked your vulnerability and how you came across and then how yeah. you obviously realised this person meant a lot to you. So, you know, I've always struggled in that department. I'm a bit of a bastard. No, I'm not a bastard, but I'm kind of going through a journey, nearly six months sober now. Yeah. And I've always struggled with intimacy a little bit. But, um, so number one, I wanted to say, I think that was great. You were honest about that. And another one is a bit of jargon. Jargon. Right. Nico into laps, breaking for pit lane limiter, breaking to the line in entry. He was poor. <laughs> right. In English, please. Yeah. So he, he's just not good at breaking into the pit and you were better because you said you were quite good at that. Yeah. That's another part of our job that we've got to get right. A bit like, um, you know, coming into transition, I suppose, as a triathlete. So if you're phenomenal that transition then uh obviously it's an advantage and uh you know there is drivers that yeah it's there's part of our job that people it's the non-sexy stuff that often can make the difference so you know i was thankfully i well, i was pretty average in lots of other areas but that was an area that was would kept me keep me in the game was an area that i'd roughly well i'd rarely lose time on so yeah there's a lot of as you're saying a lot of jargon a lot of as in any sport there's all these fine nuances that you have to talk about the engineers of course we deal with a lot of nerds mate our sport is full of nerds you know they're they're not the most you know sociable guys that they're not that easy to talk to 
but they're clever and their job is to make the car go as quick as possible and we've got to be at one with the car so you know the terminology they use is baffling at times and and we as a professional driver go on that journey over the course of a long career we have to learn what they're on about so uh there's a little bit of nasa in there there's a bit of you know general i suppose normal aviation chat because we are you know our sport is there's a lot of discipline around the communication especially when the car's operating we need to be extremely disciplined around the radio chat and and all those type of things so we learn off the best and you got to go to the military or you talk to you know some of the best air force pilots in the world to, to work out how we can communicate um, in and out of the car as best we can it's just fascinating cycling when i raced with graham Good old Graham. In cycling, cycling's kind of gone very aerodynamic. You probably know that. I'm probably, you know. Yeah, no, it's been, watch it from track through to, through to now, as you say, just, I don't know what you call it, track to just generally road cycling, right? Road racing, yeah. It's huge. It's absolutely huge now. And um, I worked for a company called Lacole. They do really nice cycle clothing. And they were in partnership with um, McLaren and they worked at the McLaren offices for a year. And they were doing all the testing. And their office at McLaren is unbelievable, by the way. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. A lot of the have special project apartments. And obviously, it sounds like one of those, which is great. But there was something I did want to ask you. Because I was listening to the book. And I'm not so much interested in all your amazing achievements, which we could eulogize over and stuff. I kind of wanted to get a grip. I was just trying to work out like you as a person. And I was trying to think, because who, if I'd raced against you, what were you like? And and you just seemed to me, you just came across as someone who just seemed really professional, because you've been the car twice, once on an autobahn, and I think once on the way to somewhere else on on a roundabout. Yes, with Anne, with Anne, yeah, with Anne. But you were so honest. Like if that was me, straight away I'd have lied. No, I didn't do that. That was. Yeah. <laughs> but you were, you were really honest and really professional and I get this sense that you squeezed every single ounce of talent you know I think you yeah. could probably look at yourself in the mirror every night and go do you know what Mark fair play I've tried my fucking best today I, look mate you know it's it's a constant journey and you know you as an individual as a sports person you would love of course you would love to know you know in your last race you would love to know all of that at your first race but it's, of course, completely impossible. It doesn't matter if you're Federer, Michael Jordan, you know, any of these absolute juggernauts of their sport, Ronaldo, you know, these guys that are absolutely workaholics. They've got, obviously, every single box ticked. So they're, they're, it's a, I hate the word, but potential, obviously, is, is a word that is banded around early in, in junior categories and junior sports. Why do you think that means nothing? It's just purely well, well, effort. Well, it does. It's it's a word. It's it, it is it is like potential. You know, as long as they realise their potential, as long as they realise they have a set of skills, natural set of skills, which they can draw on and, and use. But we know that a lot of society doesn't do that. They don't want to use their. You know, we we, we even Monday to Friday, mate. It doesn't matter what. A lot of us, you know, me. I'm embarrassed. I I should know more languages. I have done nothing to really nothing to learn more languages. Absolutely lazy. Do you think it's naive to get through but, life just knowing English? Yeah, well, you know, at least especially in my business, you know, where I, I it would have been an advantage to to get my finger out and 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 graft out five hours a week to learn some new languages. But no, too hard. All excuses, can't do it, don't want to do it. Of course, I had the potential to learn languages, but how, you know, what is, how big is that envelope of potential? My, it was like 99.9% 
couldn't be further from the truth in my head that I was potentially going to learn new languages. Was I? But, yeah, of course I was. <laughs> but do you not think that you've, you know how you get boxers who they're boxed and then they get fat and they just retire and they sit on the beach. Do you not think you've earned that right? To chill yeah, now. Look, yeah, absolutely, mate. You know, and, and you know, or is it in your head that you don't want to chill? Are you always like what? What? I, what time do you get up in the morning? Yeah. Oh, look, Anne. Anne is she doesn't need my sleep, so she's she's always she's generally, of course, three hundred sixty-five days a year. I would say three hundred and thirty of those I wake up, and she's she's not there. The beds, <laughs> beds empty. Right. So, and that makes me look like I'm a lazy git, which I'm not. I'm always up before. I'm up around seven. At seven o'clock, I'm, I'm up, and um, but she's always, you know, as I say, up early. I don't know why I mentioned why she's up, but anyway, I need more sleep than her. I need my eight hours, and then I'm sweet. So I get up, mate. I might do three or four days a week. I might do a bit of training in the morning. Depends where I am. Depends what I'm doing. I might have some, you know, I've always had my whole life. I've had time differences in place, so I might need to take care of some matters in Australia on the phone. I might need to, yeah. Uh, different time zones or you know I like to do admin on Sunday afternoon to make sure Monday that I'm on the front foot for, for the week that's coming if I can just allocate a few hours to that then that makes me feel better relaxing on Sunday knowing Monday's not going to be crazy but you're right mate yeah I, I can people that have had whatever successful uh, first phases of their life and in, in terms of my profession you could view that as of course it was long it was successful completely enjoyable and I work with some phenomenal people and that's the best sort of the residual on all this and the, and, and the sort of blowback from all this was that I was around some of the best people in the world in my industry and coupled off the back of that, I got to meet a lot of amazing people in my life and that makes me more rounded. Forget the trophies, forget what happened on Sunday afternoons in the cockpit for myself, which of course gives you some more resilience and et cetera and, and those things. But in terms of it's the people that how they go about being yeah, having, I hate you saying the best example of themselves, but in terms of, you know, constantly <laughs> learning and pushing how, just standards, mate, just basic standards. Do the small stuff brilliantly. Do the small stuff brilliantly and you're going to be a long way down the road. You know, and there's a great line from the Special Forces, mate, isn't it? That average is easy. That's why it's popular. It's easy to be average. Everyone can be average. That's fine. And then, well, it's going to be average results. But if you want to be, if you want to have, an above average scenario or do something unique or different because your potential or you can do it we can always do more than we think we can always every one of us can always do more than we think we can because we we get pulled down with other people wanting to pull us back into that bracket there might be a bit of jealousy there might be oh you know oh, you can't do that or you know a bit of tall poppy syndrome you know if it's not their idea it's not a good idea well you know you're the one that's in control and staying as present as you can i think that's a big we as humans we 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 can especially blokes i think we can you know there can be comparisons there can be you know i was listening look, to that yesterday yeah looking ahead and going well you know oh i could never do that oh he's got that she's got that what I, they're happy couple you don't know you just don't know you know, like, so oh, I, I, ne I never knew that. I never knew. Well, you didn't need to because, you know, just if you just stay present every day, give 100% yourself, whatever you think, if you believe you have, you're going to be a long way down the road. That's class. Isn't that good? Because <laughs> comparison is the fee for joy, Roosevelt. I get that. Hmm. But you have, to, you have to compare because if you didn't compare, there wouldn't be standards. That's right. So, and I, yeah. and I, do, I do completely 100% get that. But I just loved what you said then about, like, I do miss racing. I really do, but something up here stops me. Yeah. And it is upsetting. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. I was never on your level, but there's a huge void once you stop doing that. And for a long time, I mentally, I think motivation's a luxury. 
I've always yeah. said motivation because without motivation, you haven't you you can only do it for yourself. Yeah, you can only do it for yourself. But I suppose if you've got Rolex as a sponsor or Red Bull, that kind of helps. <laughs> but 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 do you know what I mean? It has to come like on a Sunday morning at six a.m. when it's cold outside. It's winter. You want to roll over, kiss your wife. No, you've got to get out of bed. Like motivation is just those moments when that alarm clock goes off or there's pudding and there's a beer. And I think being conscientious to yourself, mate, too, you know, conscientious closure on things, you know, I mean, talking about closure on, you know, whether it's bad experiences or good, but actually like closing out what you intended to set out to, to do, you know, and, and there's a lot of sports people around them, like music people, you know, but what fashion, there's a lot of people that had, as you say, a, a glimpse into sport. And sport is brilliant because, of course, it does, you know, it's the stopwatch never lies. We get results straight away. We know if we're good or we're bad. And, and in the corporate setting, that's often not like that because people have ways to hide around and, and in their performance. And that, and that's easier to do than in a sporting text because, obviously, you have to you have to step up and, and perform. But I think that, yeah, you know, I, I draw tremendous inspiration from, you know, I've got friends in the military that, for example, one of them, he was phenomenal. Uh, special forces soldier and he now has one one limb he has uh, his right arm he lost his left arm and he lost both his legs so we just need to get on with it and stop moaning don't we the way he attacks life now is just and there you go is he reaching his potential every day that's why i'm saying this word potential is like you know there's no rules around his potential you know he could have easily capitulated and gave up but obviously the top two inches you know between his ears is like well actually you know what I can be a victim here. You know, I can be, you know, I can pull everyone else into this vacuum of my, the card that I was dealt, but I'm not. I'm going to actually invert it and go, you know what, I'm going to fucking inspire people. And that's what he's done to me, you know, because I can, you know, mate, this morning I got up, got on my phone, looked at world affairs. I went for a bit of a trot. I had a coffee. I was, you know, looking forward to your call today. I've got three other calls today. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm organized to make sure that's, and I'm like, well, I get unbelievably independent to do what I want. I don't know, you know, my team boss, Frank Williams, you know, Frank, I drove from Frankfurt while I was with him around for two and a half years. It took Frank two and a half, three hours to get to the factory each morning to get him, he's paralyzed, he's to get him washed, to get him bathed, to make sure he didn't have bed sores, to make sure. That, so when you drive for someone like Frank Williams, it gives you a great level of perspective, perspectiveness on what you're banging on about, you know, so we are brilliant at being able to, compartmentalize in our own head this artificial as you say victim or stress or you know whatever mental health yes we do have but we can be sad that's natural we're not robots we absolutely can be sad that's wrong with that be sad do you ever get, do you ever get yeah. down because you don't like i was going to ask any chance of any depression there mark can we can we <laughs> no, i'm joking yeah. but is it like do you ever do you ever i can't imagine you you seem to me a bit uncrackable like I would not have wanted to be your teammate because like, <laughs> I always used to kind of buzz off someone who was, I, I would love it if they were shitting themselves or they were cracking. Mm. But for you, I just, you seem uncrackable. Like you've got this kind of like granite jaw, you know, <laughs> you, you look imperious. Uh, oh, mate, I had weaknesses, absolutely. And that was in my performance, whether it was with 
sometimes whether it was concentration, whether there was other gaps, of course, where you have pockets or, as I say, strings in your bow that you would like to have those more reinforced. But actually giving up for me, I still do believe that I did not give up. I mean, I, I did everything I could to, to stay in the fight, obviously, and, and, and often it wasn't enough. You know, I didn't have the skills to, to hang with the best, but I did everything I could to make sure I made my presence felt. I made sure that I was, fuck, at least they knew I was fucking there. You know, and that's what you have to make sure you fucking make sure your presence is felt. You're inspiring me. You get me all kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I needed it. I feel like I needed this today, Mark. Good, mate. Well, that's great. Well, you know, whatever. I had to represent a team as, you know, my mechanics, you know, all the people that believed in what I was trying to do, they're preparing this thing for me. And then I'm going to go out there and, and just roll over for the guys I'm racing against. Well, of course not. You know, you want to do everything you can to, to have the best chance to, yeah, just to give absolute exhaust all options, and and that was something that that needed to happen. So, but mate, that was me being around good people too. You know, I, you don't just roll out, the, fall out of bed, and just have this, you know, knocked into you. You know, it's it's whether it's through exposure to some of the military guys, whether it's through other sports people, through you know, Graham Rose. Yeah, yeah, lots of different people. <laughs> yeah, Graham Rose. Yeah, Graham. Us, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's fucking, he's a strong butt. And, uh, he, he, does he half wheel you? He just half wheels, doesn't he? Oh, well, when you're that fit, mate, you can half wheel anyone, can't you? So, um, it's yeah. just not fair. It's not. It's not fun. I just used to. Where his house is? Where his house is at the bottom of a really steep hill. So you know, he starts his day with a bloody 600 watts out of his driveway. He's got to get up the hill. So, um, but yeah. What bike do you have? I'm a Trek guy, mate. So I've been on Trek for I started that relationship obviously off the back with lance armstrong in 2003 so i rode with lance in austin texas around fucking love lance yeah. armstrong oh yeah so did all that and then um yeah i've stayed in touch with trek ever since and so Do they sort you out yeah like i don't I'm, i believe i'm pretty low voltage i don't ask for a huge amount i'm you know once every, every four or five years just trying if i can get something a bit fresher then great but i know that bikes are like nickel at the moment so uh you can't get them but um that's... no they're really hard to get hold of really hard to get hold of yeah there's something i wanted to ask you and i hope you don't take this offensively in formula one people celebrate when they get second and third mm -hmm. in cycling that's a big no-no yeah people hit the bars yeah it's only winning that counts mm -hmm. can you explain to me why it's such an amazing achievement to get second and third in formula one and I hope that doesn't come across as, you know, maybe I, I'm no, not. I've got actually, and, and my management at one point, because I was pretty sour. I mean, you can call it a sore loser or you can call it whatever you want. But it ultimately, if you do, you know, it hurts, of course, when the guy's next to you and he has what you have, you wanted, you know, that day it went his way and, and you weren't good enough. You didn't didn't perform like he did and, and or their team did, strategy and car, the whole all the dynamics around that, that they got the result that you were after. And, of course, you feel personally you know, heavily linked to that result because I'm the one driving the car. So, but my management said to me one day, they said, actually, you, you're such a boring bastard on the podium. You look so miserable. <laughs> and if you think about it, right, like you need to be, a lot of people don't like to see that. Of course, inside, you know, it hurts. But if you can, of course, you want to be real to yourself. And I'm, you know, that's the biggest I suppose uh, I wouldn't be celebrating if I got beat. I'd be fuming. Not celebrating, but it's actually respectfully saying, "Look, on the day, did everything we could, and the people can still, you know, on the occasion, the people are like, yeah, that's 
we all tried everything we could on the day, but ultimately it wasn't enough. And sometimes you get absolutely blown to smithereens and you finish second. Sometimes it's a close second, and that's obviously that's even more frustrating. But you know, it's, it, which is weird because if you get killed by a bigger margin, sometimes it's easier to swallow because like you, you had no chance, but you still got a half decent result. Or it was nip and tuck, and you blew something. You know, you didn't quite get it, and, and it slipped through your fingers, which is always, you know, horrible. But you need to, you know, commercially now, which is again, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a boring topic, but, but, but reality these days, and generally is in terms of your own brand and 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 perception to the outside world and 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 the commercial side is that people want to be engaged with people that give them good feelings and and make them feel they're someone they'd want to be around and promotable and all those things that you actually and if you genuinely inside can say you know what a fair handshake like that's the other thing like sometimes people don't know what goes on behind the podium like you you can have the respectful discussion with shake his hand talk about it have a bit of a laugh have a girl or whatever we can really drop our guard and then sometimes we go out there listen to the national anthem doing that thing it doesn't matter whatever national anthem's going you're not there celebrating at that point and then you spray the champagne whatever so you've got to be look at valentino rossi one of the greatest sports persons of all time he celebrated fourth and fifth often he did the reverse psychology of actually pulling because he had so much attention around him that he, when he didn't win, which wasn't often, but when he didn't win, he still took the energy away from the winner because he's like, the winner's going, why is he carrying on like that? I've got what he's got. But he would do it the other way around. And he would, I can't get my head around that, but he's clever. He's clever. Very clever. He'd give them he's a brain, op- brain operation because it's like, he's always up. He's always up. That's why they call him the doctor because it's like he would psychologically wear you down. Now, if he is celebrating and it doesn't even look, it doesn't even look like it looks like he's won. No, but I've won. And he's not letting you win, which is brutal and brilliant. Even that's got in my head now, because even that annoys me thinking about it. Yeah. If I'd won and someone gets fifth and they're celebrating, I'd want to punch him. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's the reaction he wants. This is the Yorkshire Grit Podcast. Okay. Really lucky today to be sponsored by not only a friend, Mark uh, Scratchard. But he uh, he owns a really great business called MAS Designs in Geisley. I've got Mark to come along today. Tell us a little bit about it. Mark, keen cyclist. Yes, Tom. <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about MAS because you've always been involved in cycling. Always. Yes, yeah, we have. So basically, set up Mass Design twenty years ago this year in wow. April, and probably for a good ten years we've been supporting local cycling. Tom Pickock's team and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Tom Pickock's team. I'm now involved with the Fensham House Mass Design Junior Team. She's got some good riders. And previous to that, the PH Mass with uh, Neil Hendry and Paul I Mills. That. Yeah. So, yeah, been a big sort of uh, supporter of uh, local cycling. Basically, we, we've helped out with the Otley um, Cycle Races, yep. Ilka Cycle Races. We sponsor all the kids' events. And we've also, we've got involved with the Otley Cycling Club in a big, big way as well this year. So, and it's it's really nice that you're helping out with this as well now. So, MAS Designs. Anyone who's listening, if you had to kind of give us a brief synopsis, that's my word of the day. How would you kind of sum it up if you could? Yeah. So, Mass Design is basically an architectural practice based in Geisley, North Leeds. Yeah. And we cover a varied sort of uh, area work from sort of residential, commercial new build that's straight from the domestic market to a new build house commercial venture so it's quite varied work locally nationally on as i say variety of projects uh, from the sort of small large scale cover everything and we're sort of big as i say we're big sort of north leads 
Fantastic. If they want to find out more, just go on Google, type in MAS Designs. There's an Instagram page, which I'll be linked to. But um, yeah, architecture, fantastic. Thank you ever so much. It's um, We'll point people in that direction. Much appreciated. No, don't worry about it. Thank you very, very, very much. Thanks, Tom. Le Mans is obviously a big... I watched the film on Sunday because this was a big deal for me, this, Mark. I was telling my mum and dad about it and we we, we all watched the uh, Le Mans thing with Shelby and... Uh, on on Sunday night together and we were all making notes about you and then we were on YouTube looking at you and I was like yeah this is the guy who's coming on and I'm like oh he's really handsome and then my dad's like Tom I hope you dress smart and I hope you know but the Le Mans thing is in Le Saf mm-hmm. uh, it's France you don't fully race 24 hours do you take it in terms of your teammate that's right yeah and- so it's drivers you do like the limit is four hours in one stint so you can't go over four hours so you can drive i mean we are driving flat out um and then of course you come in and you'll have between six and seven hours off and then you'll go again yep fuck and how do you rate that against formula one is it or is that a stupid question can you not is it harder or they're both just as hard it's i think mentally it's quite draining because of, of course, the level of endurance required. Also, that we're on track with a lot of amateurs. So that for us is very draining because we, of course, we're, we're professionals. We're, we're going for outright victory. We're in the fastest cars with the best teammates and we're absolute pros and we're racing. Le Mans, 50% of the drivers in that race are semi-pro and we have some, even 25% are really average. And that for us is a headache because we've got to really pick our way yeah fuck that yeah we we lap them all the time so it's like doing a a crit race you know with tour de france just like cycling isn't it yeah yeah that's just like cycling tour de france but then we're going to have a quick race in the middle of the tour de france with the local sportif and it's like shit okay and that's what we're going to do which is horrible for us mentally because you know we're always the bad guys because we're obviously aggressive we can put the car in places where you know the the amateur doesn't like it and we're you know so we really can be intimidating for them which is of course, as it should be, because we control the cars a lot better than they do. But Formula One's a high level. Formula One is more precision, more the level of detail and, and, and timings around how you perform and, and getting right into the individual nitty-gritty uh, is is much more precise. It's a way more tougher category than sports car racing. There's a lot of guys that be successful in sports car racing, endurance racing. They get eaten alive in Formula One. Really? Yeah. The level is a lot higher because in sports car racing, by the nature of sharing a car, I can't even have the car specifically to how I want it to put it on the limit. So there's always a compromise because we have to share between the three of us how we have the car set up. So already with the car set up, as crude as a seat, the seat height, but there's things no, like because you because you were tall, weren't you? You were very I tall was, for a race. Yeah, drive. I was tall, but you know, but even like the way the car is set up aerodynamically, the way it is set up with its Every rider has their personal quirks on what they were to do if they were going to have a perfect individual time trial for, for 50K or whatever. And and if there's little compromise, well, we can't have the bars there. We've got to have them just up a little bit because the other guy's like, well, so all that. But in Formula 1, you don't have any of that. It's absolutely as you want. And then you can mm. really reach your, that beautiful word, your potential. Potential. That's what I'm going to definitely take away from today. Would you, if I ever come down to Aylesbury or wherever you live, can you, would you ever drive me just on a, like fast just for like yeah. a, an afternoon Fighting. yeah it won't be that exciting i can't drive quick on the street as you know so it's um but mate on the roads is dangerous like you know we on the racetracks we we took of course ultimate risks uh and we were happy to do that with the with the safety of the vehicles the you know the brilliant technology phenomenal seat belts and just everything was the helmets were amazing we had doctors with us within 
60 seconds. There was helicopters at the track. We had like the best. With a streetcar accident, you could be there for half an hour. In one of your things, you said about there's no Roger Federer's in your sport. It's just too hard to be like Roger Federer. Is that something you still kind of... Because I kind of do get that. When I watch this thing, I know Netflix will dramatise it because it has to be cool, it has to be fucking edgy. Mm. But is it just too hard to be that much of a god and that much of a nice guy in Formula One? Do you just have to... Because you're racing, aren't you? It's like boxing, you're knocking people out. Yeah. Yeah, I think the wheel-to-wheel combat is is certainly a huge component for us that we don't... I mean, I get on with all the guys I race against now. When I was racing them, there was it was a lot more testy, obviously, in terms of our relationship. But now... You know, I can socially I can catch up with you know ninety five percent of them, which is which is great. But of course, when we're out there representing ourselves and all the work and graft that we've put in, then of course there's no compromises on that relationship. You have to be able to race very very hard and and fair. And races, you'd like to be treated yourself. You know, no real cheap shots. Push it to the limits, of course, but no cheap shots. So, but in tennis, you know, I'm good mates with Paddy Rafter. I know some of the tennis players. And I just take the piss out of them. I said, you guys are paid so much and all you do is like, you, might, you might pull a hamstring. Big deal. Like, you know, what's happening? So, uh, yeah, so... Uh, it's true though. Like, look at look at football, like soccer. They, they dive and the Tour de France is... Sorry to keep and like beating the drum about the Tour de France and stuff, but in Formula One, I think you your heart rate would get up to... Was it like 160, 170? Yeah, I get high. a lot of that's adrenaline, obviously. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, look, you've been in bike racing, we can't see, the weather's not good. Same for us. Like when we compete and like it's really dodgy weather, we're doing 200 mile an hour, you can hardly see ahead of you. You know, that's when the good guys really can, you know, you see who's prepared to take the calculated risk and consistently not making mistakes, which is which is very impressive. So, mate, I'm a huge tennis fan. I love tennis. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's the, 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 you know, they're freaks. I had a quick hit yesterday afternoon, actually. Um, so I like playing tennis. But, I mean, it's... Have you been to Wimbledon? When it's... <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. Have you, been when, to, uh, have you been to Roland Garros? No, I haven't. Um I'd like to watch clay though. I have watched clay. I have watched Rafa on clay, which was something I wanted to do. And I mean, just phew, the intensity. I mean, Rafa, just something to behold. You know, like look at his career now, which is mm. just something. It's just so inspiring to see. Is it eleven times he's won French? He did La Decima, and then he was yeah. is it twelve now. Mm, don't know, mate. If it's twelve, I'd, yeah, you, you, mate, you, you're, you're probably bang on. But um, yeah, like look at that. There's a guy that you know, trophy cabinet, bank account, all of it. But ultimately, just. He has that winning mentality. He wants he does, to win. Yeah. And, of course, you put him in the corner and it's like, mate, it's, you know, that's where he will just grind you down, which is brilliant, you know, to watch him, you know, even with the Australian Open this year, how he won that. I went to bed, yeah, I was like, I was in Australia, I was in the Australian time zone, and then we had loads of bands, we got a chat on WhatsApp and all the boys, and we're just, yeah. And then um, woke up and it's like, bullshit, how did he pull that out from uh, from where he was? But, yeah. See, you, you've given a big insight into like, you love the underdog, don't you? You love like that. That that to you there, the grit, the winning ugly, that to you is more than the, the magician Federer, even though my mum cried when um, she's obsessed with Federer. I've got videos of her celebrating Federer. Like she's fucking obsessed. Mate, I love the guys that, are, you know, that's where you, someone like Roger obviously works hard, has it like, it's like Jordan, isn't it? And it's like Ronaldo. It's like, you know, you know, and I've, I've had, I still do have mates that were that played with Ronaldo at Manchester United. And they said the guy was the work ethic, you know, 
I mean, look, I don't follow him on Instagram because, you know, he's, there's plenty of photos of himself. But in terms of if that's what he wants to do, that he's a phenomenal specimen. He puts the work in and he, for most of his career, as we know, you'd want him on your side because his work rate and work ethic is is just outstanding. Even at that level, you know, when you think of the peers that he's playing against, the, if you can hold yourself above like Lance was at the time or, yeah, if you can still be ahead of the rest of the best in the world, it's it's really something to, to watch. See, I beat myself up a bit now. You've got me thinking a bit because, you know, I'm 33. I stopped racing. I did get pneumonia. But um, someone who I do look at is, is obviously Alistair. Like, he is... He's definitely killed people. He's definitely, he's definitely buried people in his garden. Like, that guy's a killer. Yeah. That mentality just to keep going, like, constantly keep going and going and going. Even when you've got the money in your bank account, even when you've, like, even when you've won, it's, yeah, it's the definition of winning, isn't it? Just not giving up. Well, it is, mate. It's also, it can also be paranoid perfection, right? You have this paranoia of being perfect. You know, you're, you're trying to chase this shadow, which is yours. You're trying to, you know, like there was a, a great motorcycle racer called Mick Dillon, an Australian, won five world titles and he came back from unbelievable injuries, nearly lost his legs and one of his leg and they put them together and he had to reconfigure the whole situation about how the brake system was and a lot of people would have given up. This is going to be too hard. I am, I can't do this anymore. It's just, you know, all the shopping list of excuses of why I can't do it anymore. But he found a way. He kept finding a way to change the equipment to make him perform. And then ultimately, he got through horrendous injuries. He got some phenomenal technologically advanced machinery and, and components, which he could then put on his bike. And other people then wanted that. They said, oh, we can put that on our bike. But because they didn't need to use it, because they could use their right ankle in a traditional sense on the brake and all those sort of things, they didn't need to actually have that. But because he needed it, he could use it. And it gave him a great advantage in terms of how he could ride the bike which is great on top of all the injuries he had which was insane so do you miss it at the moment do you like you seem to have navigated retirement really really well like you haven't gone on the piss for a month and you haven't yeah first few years was tricky and because i there was still a bit of jealousy is a bad thing but i was i was happy that i i just wanted to i did want a bit more and it's like oh, if i finally did that if i had that i'd say so you're looking back i was looking back too much and it's like well hang on and then you get the reality of of everything that I had done and all the close shaves and of course and you know I had carried a few coffins of my mates and all this and you're thinking well hang on mate you have had you know what you and your family have had in the people rent is has been a phenomenal phenomenal experience and yes there's always more I wanted to have a world championship of course I nearly got it didn't get it so that's something that I've reasoned with and I'm over that but of course I wouldn't lie to say there's not you know at the end of each year when somebody's crowned world champion it's like you know I nearly had hey look not great, but that's I'm over that, and I'm I'm strong enough to deal with it. I still look at all the positives instead of the the, the last few negatives that, that were there. I tried to look at the positives that the sport gave me. So I've never 46 this year. I retired, you know, uh, in 2013. So we're looking like eight or nine years ago. Um, I think the first years were the trickiest for sure. And yep, did have a bit of drink. Did have a bit of you know because I was pretty disciplined when I raced. Do you drink now? I do, do drink now. Drink a little bit, mate. Yeah, but I don't feel. I don't like – I like a cold beer in Australia. Like I'll have a couple of cold beers, but I don't need to numb – I don't need to numb my emotions heavily. I know how disruptive it can be and I know how – I know how tricky it is for people not to be able to wing themselves off it. And it's tough to watch. And you try to reason with them and talk to them about how we can find other things and other hobbies or things that can be as to give the 
you know, because coming from that high point, it is to come back down and try and suppress that with, with, with obviously drinking high levels of alcohol uh, to get yourself through the day, to have that little up and then, then the numbness of nothing, right, and then waking up and, and having a crack the next day as well. I think that for me, I'm just trying to get my buddies to let's find something that can look forward. You know, the, I, rode my, I rode my motorbike. You know, I went to Stelvio Pass, went through the Swiss side, Austria last year through Munich, went through the, with a few mates. They're like, this is one of the best things we've done since we stopped. Can't believe it. Why haven't we done this mm-hmm. earlier? At the end of a long day, it's like a couple of beers, get a head down, and it's like, yeah, where are we going now in the sense of adventure? So trying to find the things which will disrupt or pull you away from that routine. Addiction. Of, yeah, the routine of, uh, yeah, breaking the routine of that. And I know it's tough, mate. I know, I know, I know it's tough. I personally haven't been through it, but I've seen a lot of uh, very, very, very close friends battle. Yeah, it affects yeah. a lot. Of, it affects a lot. Of, yeah, it's been it's been the maddest six months of my life. Like mm. it's been the it's the best thing I've ever done in my life, but it's also been you know it's been the hardest thing I've, I've ever done in my life. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. The strength I've shown from that, I'm trying to kind. Of, if I can do this, I can do anything. Fact. Yeah. The thing is, mate. There's been. There's not. There's no one else been through this. You know, so many people have, have shown that it, it is possible. And of course, generally, always the result is is something better. Of course, your whatever tactics you choose to use in terms of you know breaking it. But yeah, of course, it's an extremely personal challenge on how you push it away and keep it away. And what's the long term goal? I say, stay present and stay. You know, give yourself a chance every day to do the make the best decisions. And if you just control the micros of that. And of course, we know where, you know, but if we go, well, what am I going to be doing in, can you personally keep this up for the next six years? That's a crazy statement in your own head because, you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't think that far ahead. We're told not to. Because I know, like, the thing that I'm doing, we're told we can never, I can't even ever drink it, like, ever again. Hmm. So, but if I think that now, like that, yeah, might, might as well put a gun to my head. Yeah. So what, yeah, that would, that would be absolutely, you know, none of us know. You know, it's whether it's your financial goal, whether it's your accountant, whether it's, you know, your wife or your or, or building or your neighbour. What are you going to do with your shed out the back next year? Oh, I don't know, mate. No idea. Let's just deal with today. You know, it's it's easy for us to, again, as you say, man, that perception, that peer pressure, that, you know, all these things that we build up, you know, and we think that there's a lot of people talking about us. They're not. Yeah, but but we're not. But we're not that important. Yeah, that's no one right. cares about us. Exactly. Which is good and bad. You can say you can take pressure from people saying, "Oh, guess what? That's happening." Oh, yeah. It's actually not. Like, there's more. You think there's actually more going on than than there probably is. Um, and when you'd love a bit of obviously a bit of love and a bit of support, of course, there's more people there than you than you bloody think on on, on the drop of a hat. If you actually ask the straights, you know, questions around the people that you know that are really close to you, they can really depend on and be reliable to. Of course, all day long. They're going to be there for you in the right way, which is brilliant. We try to delude ourselves away that those two extreme ends are are not in play, but they they actually are. I don't want to take any more of your time. You're a really busy guy. The one thing I did want to ask you was Croft, North Yorkshire, 15th of May, 1997, six rounds of the F3. You stayed in Croft? Yeah, mate, I did. Did Did you stay in Darlington? Yeah, I stayed there, yeah. I was actually going well in that race, and I had a battery terminal come loose. And um, I lost a bit of power. Yeah, so I remember that. I remember at the corner where it happened, the battery terminal, you know, and it was quite, mate, it was brutal because I was actually sponsored by a battery company. Can you believe it? Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, gee, it's a bloody long way. I haven't been to Croft since, mate. It's a bloody. It's bad that you've been to Croft. 
yeah. <laughs> because that's where I used to race when I was like cutting my teeth. And, yeah, um, good with, uh... with Graham, yeah. Um, and Dougie Lampkin, I know Dougie Lampkin well. He's a trials legend up that way. So, um, well, Yorkshire, Yorkshire lad, isn't he? So, um, he's... Yeah, because you did trials as well, didn't you? you oh, sort of. I rode motorbikes, but yeah, didn't really do much trial. But yeah, and then and obviously Alistair, you know, you know, I spent a bit of time with him uh, up there. And, and um, You've been to Yorkshire with him, was it not too long ago, a couple of years ago? Went to his house, yeah, just to help him with his book, which was great. I mean, that was a good idea he had, you know, to talk to lots of different people in different sports and work out how we end up where we where we do. Like you're in a club, mate, you're in an elite club of people that actually do, you've been a sports person. You know, that's, we're all in a bit of a club that we know what we need we know what it takes and we know what we need yeah. to be able to do and, and it's yeah comes with its headaches afterwards but the line share should be overwhelmingly positive from from a vast majority and, and this has not been you know condescending in any way but it's just that we have been in a really cool environment to test ourselves in in a sport that well, you loved and, and i loved and it should be relatively easy with 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 the people around us to continue to use that as a stepping stone into some cool stuff in the future because sport is a brilliant teacher if you ever want someone to massage your ego make you feel better about yourself give you compliments <laughs> like i'd happily be your mate okay. like, <laughs> no mate that's i'll, I'll happily <laughs> i'll keep changing the subject yeah i'll happily be your friend but yeah. um yeah, I don't really know what else to say. It's been it's been phenomenal. Like, I didn't want this interview to kind of be the old generic questions of oh, F1. How did you come well, about this? Great. And, your, and your family and your dad. Yeah. And yeah. I just wanted to know about you, mate. And like, you know what I mean? And um, I feel like you've been super honest. Well, see, I can't be honest now in my life. I mean, that's, you know, it, it is. And that's the easiest way to be the most consistent. It's just with a straight bat. Like, crackers. if you're trying to be three or four different people, there's going to be gaps everywhere, right? So you just need to be yourself. I love your thinking. I love how you think. If I ever had a team, I'd want you on my team. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I would. I'd be out the back, mate. I'd be out the back. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be much good for you. I wouldn't be seeing much win. But that's with Graham. I could just sit. I'll hang out with Graham. I need to come over and see him. But look, Mark, thank you so much for today. It's been amazing to see how your mind works. And I think that's kind of what I wanted to like see today. And it's going to inspire a lot of people listening. So uh, that's kind of what it is. Um, just enjoy the rest of your day, man. And yeah. just enjoy, cool. you know, friends. And next time yeah. I see you. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool, mate. Well, we'll try and hook up at some point. Get yourself down to Australia. And um, yeah, we can go for I keep on saying he keeps on trying to drag me out there all go the time. Go for a spin on the bikes, mate. Yeah, it's not. Well, yeah, that's it. Just book it in. Let's get it booked in and go down and see him for a few weeks and whatever well yeah you got a nice summer coming in yorkshire now so the summer's about to come come in place i'm sure you want to hang around for that which is great so. and are you still are you still aylesbury down that way are you still yeah bucks yeah down buckingham uh aston clinton way so i'm in, in and around there so yeah plenty of travel um but yeah i bet you travel all the time man. yeah that's our work that's our work which is good and i don't mind it mate i love planes so i don't mind getting on them it's just a i'm a world champion at hand luggage now which is good so let's get on and do my thing <laughs> Well, look, I won't keep you any longer. Okay. I just, want, I just want to say I'm really grateful because I know how busy you are, okay? The Yorkshire Grit Podcast. Subscribe now on iTunes and Spotify.